So the Bible reading today is taken from Genesis 22, 1 to 19. Just a prayer first. So, dear Lord, prepare our hearts and open our minds to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on, on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. There was the painful act of sending Ishmael away in chapter 21. A son deeply loved by Abraham. In chapter 22, Abraham faced the greatest test of his life. Abraham's love was now focused upon Isaac, who after chapter 21 is his only son. God has brought Abraham to the point where he must give priority to either his faith or his family. The greatest test of his faith now come confronts Abraham in Genesis chapter two, uh, 22. 
How do believers handle the test of faith, especially when the stakes are high? What motivates a man of faith to surrender to God's seemingly illogical request? How does testing mature one's faith? Let's see what lesson can we learn from this chapter. The chapter begins with these words. After these things, what things? The things that had taken place in Abraham's life, but especially the events recorded in Genesis chapter 21, namely the birth of Isaac, the sending away of Ishmael, who was Abraham's son by Hagar. Isaac was now growing into adulthood. He was old enough to take a three-day journey in the wilderness and strong enough to carry the wood for sacrifice up the steps of Mount Moriah. Isaac was the pride and joy of Abraham's life. Abraham looked to Isaac with great satisfaction and comfort, realizing that his legacy would be passed on and the promises of God would be fulfilled. Verse 1 says, God tested Abraham. The Hebrew word for tested has the idea of testing or proving the quality of someone or something, often through adversity or hardship. There is a difference between testing and tempting. God tests us or allow us to be tested. Satan tempts us. God tests us to bring out the best in us. Satan tempts us to make us fall and fail. God's testing of Abraham was designed to show the faith and faithfulness of Abraham. God gave this test to Abraham to see if he would follow his instruction. But what a test it was. This test reveals two things. First, it reveals something about Abraham. Second, it reveals something about God. Chapter 22, verses 1 and 2 says, God said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. God was aware of the excruciating test he was putting before Abraham. Notice the building, uh, the build up of the phrases in verse 2. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and offer him. The word son is used 10 times in our text to indicate the enormous sacrifice that God was requiring of Abraham. You can imagine what a blow this man in Abraham's life. 
it is specifically called a test. That means it was meant by God to determine if Abraham's confidence is in his son Isaac or in God who gave him his son. This is a test of love in Abraham's heart. This is also a test of how far this man has advanced in the life of faith and in the strength of the Spirit. As we read through this account, we see that it says nothing about Abraham's emotional reaction to this request of God. I think the reason is that it was quite unnecessary to say anything. We instinctively know that what, is, what must have been meant to Abraham. His first reaction must have been incredulity. How could God be asked this of him? And yet, the voice is unmistakable. He has heard his voice many times. It was a very severe and bitter test as to where Abraham's love was centered. You can imagine the questions that must have a reason in Abraham's heart as he contemplated what God had asked of him. What about the promises all that God had said would take place? What about those? God has said, take your son and offer him as a burnt offering. But Lord, Abraham might have said, how will the promises be fulfilled that my seed should fill the land and be as numerous as the stars in the heavens and the sand on the seashore? Why should this be asked of me? When we get into a street like this, the question in our hearts is always, why? Why should God do this? Why should it be asked of me? We can see why God asked Abraham to give up Ishmael. God told Abraham to cast him out of the tent because he was the son of the flesh, not of promise. We can understand when God tells us to get rid of some cherished attitude that we know is wrong. We never ask why about that. But Lord, Abraham said, this is Isaac. This is the son of promise. This is the one you yourself gave me. Why do you ask me to put him to death like this? the very gift of your grace to my heart. And then Satan must have suggested doubts to him so that he wondered, how can I find strength to do this? And what about Sarah? What is she going to say when I come back from the mountain empty-handed and she asks me what happened? This must have been some of the questions that arose in his heart. What a sleepless, troubled night of torture and heartbreak this man went through. I think in some lesser degree, 
you and I have experiences like this. Perhaps you have stared in disbelief at some situation or circumstances in your life and said, it is what God wants me to go through. It is what God is asking of me. It is God's will. And your heart cries out, why? Why should this happen to me? Well, this is life's hardest trial. It is never so difficult when we can see a reason. However, when something happens to us in which we fail to see any logic, and in fact, everything seems to be against it, this is when faith is really put to the test. Now, notice that when morning comes, Abraham's obedience is prompt and complete. Though his heart was torn, yet he obeyed God. Verse 3 says, So Abraham got up early in the morning, said that his donkey, and took him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set up to go to the place God had told him about. What was going through Abraham's mind? Why was he able to obey God promptly and sincerely? Abraham knew that God was his friend. He trusted God. When the command to sacrifice Isaac was first given, Abraham did not understand how. If the command were carried out, the promise could be fulfilled. But that was all right. Abraham left the difficulty with God, which is the essence of true faith. What is faith? Faith is believing God and acting upon it. This is what Abraham did. God had shown that he could be trusted. So Abraham believed God and acted, even though he could not understand the solution to the difficulty. It's very unlikely we would receive verbal commands from God like Abraham received from God. However, there are times when things seem to go wrong in our lives. In every instance, we will always trust God. God can be trusted. And even though we don't understand what God is doing, we should believe Him and walk in obedience to His word. Verses 4 and 5 say, On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Abraham explicitly stated, We'll come back to you. Abraham fully intended to sacrifice Isaac, as God had commanded him. But by now, 
he was sure that the outcome would not be the end of Isaac. Seeing he told his young men that they would worship God and then both of them would return back to the young men. What was Abraham's thinking here? Hebrews chapter 11 verses 17 to 19 tells us, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God has said to him, it is true, Isaac, that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Genesis chapter 22, verse 6 says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offerings and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the sacrificial knife, and the two of them walked on together. They probably had not gone far. Isaac must have thought that his father had forgotten to bring along a sacrificial knife. So he said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? This question must have pierced Abraham's heart. How would he answer his son? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. There was a statement of hope, if not faith. Abraham was confident that God knew what he was doing. He would provide the lamb in due time. One commentator writes, Abraham refers Isaac to God as the one who will answer the question. He does not deceive him but simply opens up to him as a possibility what he for himself, seeing God gave his command, is a fact. He throws the ball back into God's court, so to speak. God will provide. Then the two of them walk on together. Again, the record is silent about the emotional reaction of Abraham here. But we only have to put ourselves in his place to sense what he felt, how his heart was torn, how he avoids telling Isaac that fearful truth until the very last possible moment, how he perhaps trembles within when Isaac asks the question, where is the lamb? What is the explanation for this? Where did this stricken father find the strength to carry through this fearsome task? How did he nerve himself to do it? From the way he spoke to the young men that accompanied them, it is most likely that somewhere in the quiet meditations of the awful night when this word first came to him, 
there came the consciousness that God could do something to raise this boy from the dead. That is where he found the peace to follow God's command. In the struggles of that night, he began to reason and to reckon on God's command. He must have thought something like this. Now God has given me promises, and I have lived with God long enough to know that when God gives a promise, he carries it through. God has said that through my son Isaac, all the nation of the earth shall be blessed. Isaac is necessary to the fulfillment of the promise. It can't be any other. He has said this boy is the one who is going to be the fulfillment of the promise. Well, then if God has asked me now to offer him up as a sacrifice, there is only one explanation. God intends to raise him from the dead. When they arrived at the place for the sacrifice, Abraham wasted no time in obeying God. Again, no protests, no delays, no skips. All that we see and hear is simple obedience. He built the altar, arranged the wood, bound his son Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Note the complete confidence and submission of Isaac to his father. He has confidence in his father and an understanding of his father's love and faith in God. It is an act of supreme faith Isaac has in God too. It echoes with the confidence of another son who prayed, not my will, thy will be done. God will provide for himself the lamb of a burnt offerings, my son, must have echoed in the minds and hearts of both father and son. Then after Isaac had been bound and laid upon the altar, Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Just as Abraham was about to strike and call his son, his only son Isaac, whom he loved, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham paused and he said, here I am. The angel of the Lord said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Fearing God does not mean that Abraham was afraid of God. It means that he has obeyed God. Verse 13 says, Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thickest by its horn. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. The ram died in the place of Isaac. Verse 14 says, And Abraham named the place.
place, the Lord will provide. So today it is said, it will be provided on the, mount, the Lord's mountain. There on mountains, on Mount Moriah, the Lord provided a substitute to die in the place of Isaac. Let's summarize the lesson that we have learned. First, giver or gift. As we study Abraham's test of faith, we need to examine our lives and ask whether we are prepared to answer God in the way that Abraham did. I believe that every man and woman that desires to walk with God will have to answer the same question that Abraham did. Do you love God more than the most cherished possession in your life? For Abraham, it was not difficult to spot the object of his heart's devotion. It was the son of promise, miraculously born in his old age as a gift from God. God tested Abraham to ensure that Abraham's devotion was still sound and to free Abraham from the snare of making an idol out of something that was given by God as a gift. You see, God did not want Isaac's life. He wanted Abraham's heart. What God really wanted was not the sacrifice of Isaac, but the personal, total surrender of Abraham. You see, our love of self and our hideous assumption that the world revolves around us causes us to take the very gifts that God has given us and make idols out of them. We do this with our children, our possessions, our abilities, just about anything good that comes from God can become an object of inordinate affection, turning the gift that God intended for our goods into a devilish entrapment, replacing our dependency on the one who gives good gifts to his children. God called us as he did to Abraham to lay our Isaac on an altar of worship, not because God wants to deprive us from blessings. After all, he gave us this blessing in the first place, but rather to provide us with the opportunity to demonstrate to God and to ourselves that He is first in our lives. Only then can we enjoy the gifts He gives without the entrapments of idolatry that comes when we put the things in our lives ahead of the one who gave them to us. This is a question every one of us must be asked by God from time to time. God gives us wonderful blessings and occasionally 
He asks for them back. The bottom line is, do we love the giver or the gift the most? Second, faith in God. Abraham didn't know what was going to happen. Abraham knew that God had given him a specific command, and the command was to sacrifice his son. So he said, I will do it. I will obey. And he knew exactly what the command to sacrifice meant. He knew that God's command meant that he would have to offer Isaac. And yet, in faith, he said, we will go worship and we will return. Abraham didn't know what was going to happen on that mountain. But the one thing he knew for sure was this. The Lord will provide. He knew that. This is a childlike faith with no question asked. The Lord will provide. Whatever the circumstances, whatever happens, even if Isaac is dead, God is still going to provide. And James chapter 1, verses 22 to 23. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his action were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. I would like to have that kind of faith. A faith that never questions what God is doing. A faith that never argues with God, but is always obedient to Him. May God help me to mean it when all my hearts, when, with all my hearts, when I pray to Him, not my will, but Thy be done. Many a soldier thinks that he is brave until he comes under fire. It is only in the heat of battle that his character is proven. So you will realize that faith is not real until it is used. It is only words or hopeful thoughts until it is put to the test of real life situations when you have to depend on God. Many people say that they love God until their faith is put to the test. How about you? How will your faith look when things get tough? Is this your faith too? No matter what God takes from you, no matter what God demands of you, no matter what God, no matter what testing God permits in your life, will you still believe in God and His promises? Will you believe when you lose a sum of money or lose your job? Will you believe when you lose your home or your business? 
Will you still believe when you lose your friend? And will you believe when you lose a child or a spouse or a grandchild? Will you still believe when you lose your health? And will you still believe when you lose control of your body from age or disabilities? Third, Jehovah Jireh. The name God revealed in this passage is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah means the Lord. Jehovah Jireh means God sees and provides, which means the Lord will provide. It can also be translated, the Lord who sees your need. God sees our need before it arises arises and make provision for it. Have you come to know him as this kind of God? It's like the story I heard of a house on fire. A little girl was trapped in her bedroom upstairs. As she leaned out the window, her father, who was on the ground, said, Jump! I will catch you! The little girl was afraid and replied, But I can't see you! To which the father shouted, That's okay, I can see you. And she jumped to safety into her father's arm. God sees your needs today. God knows your need long before you do. Perhaps you have been trying to meet your own needs. There's a ram in your ticket. God is ahead of you. God knows what you are going to need and when you are going to need it. If you will be obedient to do what God has asked you to do, He is a God of supernatural provision. God has provided His only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be full provisions for all the needs of His people. He sees us in our need because of our own sin and provides for all our needs in his sons. The Lord graciously saw the needs of his sinful people long before we were even aware that we have any needs before him. The gates of hell were open wide, ready to swallow us up. We were all perishing dead spiritually and condemned to die eternally. But our great and merciful God beheld our need and intervened to save us by his free grace. God provided the substitute, his own son, to take our place. That's Ephesians chapter 2 verses 5 to 9. Romans chapter 8 verse 32 he who did not spare or withhold his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? What are you holding on to today? What is keeping God from providing for your needs? Are you willing to take the first step faith to let God be your all in all. Will you lay all you are 
and all you have on the altar to let God be the sole object of your affection. Amen. Let us spend a moment of silence before God to reflect on what we have just heard and respond to God with a silent prayer. <clears throat> 